0: Pastor Mike Brunzel here with Faith Fellowship Church, coming to you from my home in Taylorsville, Kentucky, and so glad you could join us today. If you would, hit the share button, hit the like button, send up a heart, send up a thumbs up, or whatever you feel you you, uh, wanna do tonight, and we would appreciate that very much. Uh, We've been teaching for the past couple of weeks about how to have good success. And some of what I've been teaching came from a message I heard a long time ago by a pastor by the name of Mark Hankins. He's uh, not only a pastor now, but he's an evangelist, travels all over the world teaching and preaching and encouraging uh, the saints of God. And uh, I was inspired by this message. And, of course, I've added some things to it, took some things away or what have you. But uh, the inspiration came from him. And the message he he taught was... uh, Pioneers, settlers, and museum keepers. I think I mentioned that maybe in my first message or maybe second one. I'm not sure. But anyway, over the last couple of weeks, we talked about several things that will help you to be a successful person in life. And one of the main things that we said is that you have to have vision. And I believe vision is necessary if you want to not only have success, but have good success. And uh, vision is different than sight. You know, uh, being able to see is one thing, but sight only shows you what is happening right now. It only shows you what the present circumstances are. Where vision is different in that it shows you uh, the future. It shows you what things could be and what things should be. And so we have to have vision. We have to have something that goes beyond what we're seeing right now. And as Christians, we're supposed to be people of vision anyway. Uh, The Word of God instructs us in several places that we are to walk by faith and not by sight, not walk by the things that we see or the circumstances that are around us. And uh, walking by faith is where you can see where you want to be, see where you should be, see where you could be. And uh, that's something that doesn't come from just sight. It comes from having vision. So the Bible says that the just also shall live by faith. And it doesn't mean that you just have faith pop up every now and then. It means that you're to live a lifestyle of faith. You're, you're to have faith in everything that you do. In Hebrews 11:1, it tells us, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So hope is vision and faith will bring substance to the things that you hope for, and it will bring you into your vision or the fulfillment of your vision. So what do you have a vision for? Well, what do you want to see in your future? Uh, Faith will bring substance to whatever it is that you have vision for. Whatever you see in your future or want to see in your future, faith will bring substance to that. You could be in a sick body. You could have an illness. You could have a a disease or, or some type of ailment, and uh, if you look at what you are right now, that's sight, but when you look with, with hope and you look into the future, you look by faith, then you see the way you could be, the way you should be, and that's healed and perfectly whole, so that's the difference between sight and, and vision. We also learned that successful people always set high standards for themselves and they refuse to settle for average and and they refuse to settle for the status quo. They're not happy with just uh, the way things are. They want more. They want better. They're ambitious and there's nothing wrong with ambition. And and life will always rise up to meet your standards. So we should never lower our standards. We should always set the bar higher, uh, especially for ourselves. And, you know, a big part of your success is the standards that you have set for yourself in your own heart. For out of the uh, heart are the issues of life. So the level and quality of life that you live will never rise above the standards that you've set for yourself in your heart. And uh, I'm telling you, we're living in a culture that has actually lowered the bar. And uh, we were talking about it at the dinner table tonight, my wife and my two grandsons. And... Uh, uh, Tyler was telling us that the SAT scores, uh, I'm not sure, SAT or ACT, one of the two, uh, the highest score you could get was 36 points. And, and one of the students at the school he goes to got that high score. And uh, he said that uh, it used to be like you had to have uh, 25 or something to be average or whatever. And now he tells me they've lowered that standard or they've lowered the bar to 21. And uh, so that's exactly what they're going to expect, and that's what most of the kids are going to rise up to. And and you know it's the same thing with the education that uh, kids are getting nowadays. They have uh, uh, they're taking away the old way of doing math. They have a new math, and then they have they're taking away cursive and, uh, and and taking that out of the curriculum. And all you have to do is know how to print now or something like that. But Uh, To me, that's lowering the bar. That's lowering the standards. And these kids are never going to rise above that standard. They're not going to do cursive voluntarily. Most kids won't. Uh, They're not going to try to do math the old hard way. They're going to try to do it a new easy way. And uh, so we need to set standards uh, that are worthy of achieving. And we need to set higher standards for ourselves. And uh, remember, life is only going to rise to the standards that you've set for yourself, and they won't go any higher. Life won't go any higher for you. So set high standards. Uh, Success is also associated with achievement, because if you're going to be successful, then you have to achieve certain goals along the way. You don't just jump from one place to the fulfillment of your vision. It happens one step at a time. And so in the meantime, you're setting goals. And when I reach this goal, I'm going to set another goal. And when I reach that goal, I'm going to set another goal until I finally one day fulfill my vision in its completeness. And so Paul said in Philippians 3:13 and 14, we looked at this last week, but it'll bear repeating. He said, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. I ain't there yet. But this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, forgetting the past, and reaching forth or reaching forward unto those things which are before. That's vision. He says, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. That's his goal. Uh, He's pressing forward. He's not looking back. He's not staying where he's at. He's pressing forward. uh, And he's pressing towards the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. So, Are you satisfied with just maintaining life as it is or where you are right now? Or are you pressing forth like the Apostle Paul? Uh, We have to have vision and we have to strive to meet certain goals along the way. If we don't, then we'll get stuck in the past or we'll get stuck in the present and we'll never move forward. We'll just just, uh, be satisfied with the status quo. We'll just be satisfied with where we're at. We'll just maintain average. Uh, And one thing that will steal your vision and keep you from uh, setting goals for yourself is when you begin to question how it's going to happen. And, you know, when God gives us a vision, he never asks you to figure out the who, what, when, where, how, and why, or how you're going to get there, who's going to be involved in it, how much money is it going to take. God just plants a seed in your heart, and that seed turns into a vision. And God will give us at the right time everything that we need to fulfill that God-given vision. And it will come in steps. Uh, You know, Paul talks about it in Romans. He says walking in the steps of faith. He didn't say nothing about leaps and bounds or jumping from one place to another in faith. He said steps of faith, one step at a time. So God will tell us when it's time to step out and he'll only give us the next step he doesn't give us the whole plan he doesn't give us all the steps at one time it's just one step at a time and every time you take that step it's a it's a test of obedience and you won't get the second step until you take the first step you know uh we also have to tell god where we want to go sometimes Uh, We have a vision in our heart, and we have to check with God. We have to pray and, and, and tell God what our vision is and ask him if it's his will for our life. And if it is, ask him how to get there. You know, I got Siri on my Apple iPhone. I don't know what the Androids have or whatever it is, but Siri is voice activated. I say, hey, Siri, and then Siri comes on my phone. She might come on right now. I oh, but she comes on my phone and asks me what it is I want. And I'll say, oh, give me directions to the nearest Cheesecake Factory. And, and then she uses a ground positioning satellite or ground positioning system to determine where I'm currently at and how to get to where I want to go. And then she gives me step-by-step instructions. She said, go here for one and a half miles, turn left, and then go down three miles and, and turn right and so on and so forth and, and uh, but if I don't respond to every step one step at a time I can't skip steps if I don't respond to every step then I won't be eating cheesecake tonight I've got to follow the directions that she gives me or I'm not going to get there I'm going to get lost or I'm going to get sidetracked so how many knows that God has a GPS, too, and, and uh, somebody once called it a God-positioning system, not a ground-positioning system or ground-positioning satellite, but a God-positioning system. And it is also voice-activated. And when I get on my knees and I speak to them in prayer and I say, Father, I have this vision I believe it came from you, but I don't know how to get there. And then he begins giving me step-by-step directions on how to get there and how to fulfill my vision. And he'll set goals along the way. He'll say, all right, well, before you can fulfill this vision, you have to get to this place here and you have to accomplish this. And then when you do that, I'll give you your next step and you go on and on until you reach your vision and fulfill it. And remember, a vision starts out as a thought. It's a seed. It's planted in your heart, but it must be watered by you. And you have to keep the weeds out, the fear, the doubt, the unbelief. And then it will turn into a vision. And a vision, when it's acted upon, will turn into a reality. So it starts out as a seed, a vision. And then when you act on it, it will eventually be fulfilled and turn into exactly what you want it to be. And when we put something in our God positioning system, we have to act on the directions that we receive, just like I would from Siri, or we'll never get to our destination. So God just doesn't hand out success. We looked at that last week in Deuteronomy. It said, God gives us the power or the ability to gain or increase wealth. In other words, he doesn't just give us wealth. He doesn't just drop it in our lap He's not a counterfeiter. He don't rain down money from heaven. He gives us the ability to gain wealth for ourselves. He gives us opportunities, and we have to use our faith to do it. And and, uh, he hands out instructions. He gives directions. And if we follow his instructions, we will eventually reach our destination. In the book of Joshua, we're going to look at chapter 1 again. We've looked at it before. Uh, But in, in Joshua chapter 1, verses 6 through 11, God is telling Joshua that it's time to go in and possess the land. And his first instructions to Joshua are in verse 6. He says to Joshua, Be strong and of good courage, for unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. And then he says in verse 7, Only be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. In other words, he's saying, follow my directions carefully. Do exactly what I say and do it how I tell you to to do it, and you'll be successful. You'll get to where you're going. And then he says, this book of the law, the Bible, the word of God shall not depart out of thy mouth. In other words, don't ever stop speaking the word, Uh, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, meditate in the word that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. So we're to meditate on the word so that we be sure to do all that is written therein. And he said, for then thou shalt make thy way prosperous. And then thou shalt have good success. When? When is the then? When I meditate on the word? No. When you do the word, then you'll be prosperous and successful. And then in verse 9, he says it again. He reminds him, Have not I commanded thee be strong and of good courage? Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, distressed. For the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest. And then Joshua commanded the officers, the people saying, pass through the host and command the people saying, now this is not a suggestion. This is not saying, hey, do you want to go into the promised land with us? We're getting ready to go. He said, no, you command the people. They don't have a choice. They're going in this time. He says, prepare you victuals or get your supplies together. For within three days you shall pass over this Jordan to go in to possess the land which the Lord your God giveth you to possess it. So this has got to have Joshua wondering about a few things. I know I'd be wondering about it by now because the Lord told him not once, not twice, but three times to be strong and of good courage and to not be afraid. Three times. So before you go in, Joshua... You need to know something, and I mean you need to really know it. You have to be strong. You have to be courageous, and you can't be dismayed or afraid. Joshua had to be thinking by now uh, why God kept telling him this. Why did he keep repeating, be strong, courageous, and fearless? Well, what if I told you that I have a door right here, you can't see it, and I'm afraid to turn the camera. It might not work after I turn it, but I have a door right here. And what if I told you that on the other side of that door I had something beautiful, something wonderful, something valuable, something that would improve your life, and I want to give it to you, but you have to open the door for yourself, and you have to go in and get it for yourself. Would you be willing to do that? I think so. Most people would. But just as you were about to turn the doorknob, I said, hold it a minute. Wait one minute. I need to tell you something before you go in. And then I proceed to tell you, now, be strong and very courageous. Don't be distressed. And whatever you do, no matter what happens, don't be afraid. Well, you'd probably hesitate a little bit. And then you'd probably say, well, okay. And then... You would go to turn the door knob again, and i say, whoa, 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 one more. Hold on one minute here. I'm really serious now. You really need to be strong and very courageous. Don't be distressed, and no matter what, don't be afraid. When well, I have done this twice, it would probably give you pause by now. How about if I did it a third time? I think you'd be wondering by now whether or not you even wanted to open that door and go in. Uh, I I think you'd realize by now that there's something on the other side of that door that's going to make you want to feel weak, make you want to feel fearful, make you want to feel afraid. And so you would think twice, maybe three times about opening that door now. I mean, but why would I give instructions like that? Why did God give Joshua instructions like that? Because, like I said, there's something on the other side of that door that's going to cause you to want to draw back. There's something on the other side of the door that might cause you to get into fear. And when you enter the arena of faith and you begin to believe God for something and you start to fulfill your vision, I don't care who you are, where where you're from, you are going to run into adversity and you're going to run into opposition every time. And that will cause you to want to give up. That will cause you to want to draw back uh, and, and pull away from your vision. But there will be things that will stress you out and discourage you and even cause you to fear if you let them. And that's all God is telling Joshua. He's preparing him for that. And, and, you know, for the children of Israel, it was walled cities and it was giants in the land. And and they said that, that the land itself swallows up its inhabitants. It's so big and everything. And they saw themselves as grasshoppers compared to the giants they saw in the land. And they forgot the vision that God had placed in their hearts some 40 years earlier of a land that flowed with milk and honey. A beautiful land that uh, had everything in it that they needed, all the provision they needed. But they had to go in and take the land for themselves. But God told them that I've already given you the land. All you have to do is go in and possess it. I don't care what kind of opposition you meet. I don't care how big the people are in that land how many walls or how thick the walls are around that city. He says, I've already given it to you. Now, I don't care what happens. I'm going to see that you get that vision fulfilled. And so he planted the seed. He planted the vision in their hearts. Some of them caught it, but most of them didn't. Joshua and Caleb caught the vision. And you remember I said last week that Uh, The promised land entered Joshua and Caleb long before they entered the promised land. Why? Because they had the vision and they kept the vision until it got them into the promised land and it was fulfilled. But he had to go in uh, based on the word of God only. God is the one who told him he gave him the land. And they trusted God enough to go in and face their fears and be courageous and be strong and not be dismayed or discouraged. So. They went into the land, and they possessed it. And uh, they fought every battle. They won every one except one, the battle of Ai, and that was because of, of disobedience in the camp and sin in the camp. But once they got that straightened out, they went in and they took Ai as well. So uh, he's saying that there, you're gonna, there's going to be times in life when you will have the opportunity to get weak, to, to get discouraged, to get distressed, to be dismayed. And that's why he said it more than once, to be strong and courageous and not to be dismayed or be in fear. It takes backbone, and that just means that you refuse to give up on your vision no matter what. You especially don't give up on your vision because of fear or worry or stress or anxiety of any kind. And there's a, even a place in the 23rd Psalm that will help you in these moments. When you when you think that you can't make it, verse 4 David said, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. God is with you in the valley. And he didn't say that you would walk in death. He said that you walk in the shadow of death. There could be death all around you, but yet uh, a, a thousand to fall at your, your right hand, ten thousand at, at your right hand and nothing will come near you. So you're walking in the shadow of it, but you're not walking in death itself. He said in verse 5, Thou preparest a table for me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. So you can walk through the valley of the shadow of death to your promised table because you know that he's going to be with you, his rod and his staff, and and that means he'll give you direction and protection, and he'll never leave you or forsake you. So I walk my valleys because I know he's with me. I don't know if I'd make it through the valley if he wasn't with me. I don't know if I got what it takes to get through the valley on my own, but I know I can do it when he's walking with me. There's two primary things that will keep you from reaching goals in your life. Fear and a lack of discipline. I know there's other things, but these are two major things. Fear and the lack of discipline will keep you from reaching the goals in your life. And if there's one thing that the body, it's discipline. And the world seems to be more disciplined at times than the church is. And they don't have the help that we have. And when you have a vision for something and you're striving to reach your goals, it's very easy for you to slip back into your old ways It's very easy for you to return to Egypt where you think you had it so good, but it takes discipline to keep from doing that. It takes discipline to keep going forward, and successful people are overcomers. What's that mean? It means that there was something that they had to overcome to get to where they're at or to get to where they're going. And when the going gets rough, they keep going. They're not going to let anything stop them. They realize it's gonna take that type of discipline and bulldog tenacity to reach some of the goals on the way to fulfilling their vision. And there's too many people that have failed to reach goals because of undisciplined flesh. I don't feel like it. It's too hard. I can't. It's raining. It's too cold. It's too hot. I mean, the devil will give you all kinds of excuses why you can't go forward. But can you stand some hard truth tonight? I mean, can you really stand some hard truth without getting mad at me? You know, I said last week, if you're not disciplined enough to tithe, you're not disciplined enough to do a lot of things. And I'm going to add to that, and I'm going to say that if you're not disciplined enough to get yourself to church every Sunday, I said every Sunday, then you're probably not disciplined enough to reach the goals necessary to fulfill your vision or accomplish much of anything else. Now I say that with boldness and confidence because I go to church every Sunday. I go to church every Wednesday night. I don't miss church. If, if, if I miss church, I got tubes coming out of my body and I'm laying in a hospital bed. But other than that, I make it to church all the time. So there's no reason why you can't make it to church either. And it's not for my good, it's for your own good. You need to be there for you, not for me. But I know discipline is never fun. But it always brings results. And if you're not disciplined enough to get to church, you're not going to be disciplined enough to overcome the harder things in life either. I'm just giving you some truth tonight. If you can't overcome whatever that little thing is that keeps you out of church uh, every Sunday, I mean every Sunday, then you'll never experience what the Bible calls good success. I'm sorry, that's just the way it is. You might be successful. You might have success to a certain degree, but you'll never experience Bible good success. So, I mean, you had a rough Saturday night. So what? You think because you're tired, you can just not come to your regular church, but just go to St. Mattress and the Holy Sheets? Uh, But that's not true. So what if you had a hard time? Overcome. This is something that you have to overcome. That's why we're called overcomers in this life. You know, if you never had nothing to overcome, how could you be an overcomer? And so these are just little things. And if the devil can hold you back with these little things, then he won't have any trouble keeping you from major things. Anyway, let's get back to where I was. I feel a cold breeze in here. But the main thing you have to overcome is yourself. Yourself. But you also have an adversary, and he'll try to get you to be unfaithful to your vision. His first trick is temptation. He'll try to draw you away through your flesh. That's why it's so important to have our flesh disciplined, to be able to tell our flesh no once in a while, to tell our flesh what it's going to do rather than our flesh telling us, the real us, the spirit man, what to do. It's like Jesus in the wilderness. The devil tempted him, and he tempted him with the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And that's how he's going to tempt you, the same way, the lust of the flesh. What does the flesh want to do today? What's the flesh feel like doing this morning? Oh, you want to stay in bed a little longer? That's all right. We'll just stay in bed. Oh, you want to eat things that are going to kill you? Go ahead. Just eat whatever you want. And you smoke, drink, do whatever you want. Kill yourself. That's the flesh. That's overcoming the temptations of the flesh. And then the eye, the lust of the eyes. You know, you see something, it looks so good, you got to have it. it. It don't make any difference if it's somebody else's stuff. You coveted it. It's somebody else's wife. Don't make any difference. Lust of the eyes will draw you into that temptation. And then the pride of life. Anything that you think will make you look bigger and better, even at the cost of making somebody else look and feel small, you'll do it because you don't have the discipline not to do it. So discipline is important. I know I I said I was done, but I I guess I lied. I had a little bit more to say about it anyway. But anyway, uh, the second trip up the devil's sleeve, trick up the devil's sleeve, is to get you in fear. As much as God needs your faith to move in your life, the devil needs your fear to fulfill his plan and make it a reality in your life. You know. Uh, faith activates God and fear activates the devil faith is what gives God the right to move in your life and do things in your life and fear gives the devil that same right so if you're in faith God is moving if you're in fear the devil's moving so when you make a decision to pursue your vision you better believe that when you turn the doorknob and open that door uh, to that vision, there's going to be something on the other side that is going to war against your soul and cause you to fear and want to draw back. Now, I'm not saying it can make you draw back or fear. It's going to, that's going to be your first inclination. But that's where being an overcomer comes in at, because as soon as fear strikes your heart, you overcome it, you gain control of it, and then you act dec- decidingly. Uh, God is saying the same thing to you that he said to Joshua when he was about to open the door to the promised land. He said, be strong and of good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. That's all we need. He's, he's going to be with us wherever we go, he said. So what do we have to fear? Why should we be afraid of anything? And then remember what David said, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil, for thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff. That's confirmation. The Lord God is with us. Jesus is with us. And, And you think because you're going to church and doing the word and trying to be a good Christian that everything is going to be peaches and cream for you? No, no, no. That ain't how it works. Jesus got in a boat with his disciples and told them, cross over to the other side and he went to sleep why did he go to sleep he was resting in what he said he said let's go to the other side and then he slept on it and uh, a a storm arose they got out in the middle of the lake and a great storm arose and they thought that they were going to perish they were they thought they were going to drown in the storm the uh, boat was going to be capsized and the bible says they had to go wake jesus Jesus is sleeping. Why? Because he's sleeping in faith. He's resting in faith. He knew, he said, let's go to the other side. He knew they were going to make it to the other side, but they doubted. And they said, Master, carest thou not that we perish? We're going to die in the storm. And and Jesus got up, rebuked them, rebuked the storm, and everything was fine. Everything calmed down, and they made it to the other side, just like he said. So, you know, Uh, They were doing what the word said. He said, let's cross over. They got in the boat. They started crossing over and and the storm still hit them. It scared them to death. And they were fishermen. That wasn't their first storm. They'd probably been in plenty of storms. But this one was so bad it scared them to death. They thought they were going to die. And there's going to be times when you'll want to turn that boat around and go back to where you came from because the the going gets a little rough, the wind gets boisterous, and the waves get high, and it starts raining real hard. And it will keep you from reaching the shore that God told you to go to. It'll keep you from reaching your vision, getting to the other side. And, And I'm just telling you this so that you're ready to deal with it. It doesn't take you by surprise. Just because you're a good Christian, just because you're doing the Word, doesn't mean you're you're not going to have opposition, not going to have adversity. You are going to have it, probably more so. Uh, But that storm caught them by surprise, and it shouldn't catch us by surprise because Jesus told us it was coming. He's already warned us ahead of time, so it shouldn't catch us by surprise. We should be preparing for the storm. When we're in calm waters, we should be preparing for the storm. When we're on the mountain, we should be preparing for a trip into the valley. That's the time to be preparing. Amen. And you better know how to use the weapons of our warfare as well. Uh, the weapons that God provided for us the shield of faith the name of Jesus the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony these are all weapons that we have the word is is a a weapon the shield of faith uh, using the name of Jesus the blood is a weapon and the word of our testimony brother Hagen who's our spiritual father in the faith taught us how to be worry-free and I'm not saying that worry don't come on us at times. It does, but we grab a hold of it and we get it under control because worry is not faith. When you're stressing, you're not in faith. But Brother Hagen told us, he even wrote a book on it, but I don't remember the title right now. Uh, but the text he used was in 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 7 and 8. I'm going to read it in the amp. It says, casting all your cares, all your anxieties, all your worries, and all your concerns once and for all on him, who, Jesus, for he cares about you with deepest affection and watches over you very carefully. Isn't that nice to know that Jesus is watching over us very carefully? He says, be sober, well-balanced, and self-disciplined. Be alert and cautious at all times. That enemy of yours, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion Fiercely hungry, seeking someone to devour. But resist him. Be firm in your faith against his attack, rooted, established, immovable, knowing that the same experiences or suffering are being experienced by your brothers and sisters throughout the world. You do not suffer alone. Your situation isn't as unique as you think it is. You ain't the first one to go through what you're going through. Somebody else had. That's another good reason for you to get to church because somebody at church has been through the very thing you're going through and he can give you some pointers and he can tell you how to get through it because he did it himself. She did it herself. Uh, whatever. But he said, cast all your cares. How many? All. All. All your anxieties, all your worries, all your concerns uh, that's a that's a uh, you know a modern word for for worry I'm not worried I'm just a little concerned no you're worried and I prayed all night uh, and, well you didn't pray in faith uh, I'm, I'm not gonna go there but <laughs> anyway hallelujah but but anyway because anxiety worry and fear is a vision. is a vision of things going bad. I better tell you what I was thinking. I'm not going to be able to go on here. But anyway, a lot of times people say they prayed all night and all they had was a glorified worry session. You didn't pray about nothing. All you did was told God all the things you're worried about. But anyway, um, how do I know if I've casted my cares or not? Here's how you know if you have or you haven't. You're still thinking about it. You're still stressing over it. You're still concerned with it. You're still worrying about it. And if you are, you haven't casted it over. You still got it. If you cast something over, you don't have it anymore. And if you still got it, it's because you didn't cast it over, not because he didn't receive it, because he will receive it if you cast it. You know, uh, in 2 Chronicles uh, chapter 20, uh Brother Hayden gave this example with King Jehoshaphat. Uh, There was a time when an enemy came against the old king and fear overcame the king. And he knew he didn't have what it took to defeat the the enemy that was coming against him. His army wasn't as big. He didn't have the weaponry that the enemy had. And so he got into fear. So anyway, he calls a fast in Israel. And in 2 Chronicles 20, 12, it says that he prayed, "O our God. Wilt thou not judge them? For we have no might against this great company that cometh against us, neither know we what to do. And then he said, but, I love the buts in the word of God. He says, but our eyes are upon thee. No matter what's going on around me, I see the circumstances. They ain't looking too good. They're a bigger, better, badder army than we are. But I'm not looking at them now. I'm looking at you. My eyes are on the Lord. And then in 2 Chronicles 20:15 it says, And he said, uh, the, the Lord said, Hearken ye all Judah and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem, and thou King Jehoshaphat. Thus saith the Lord unto you, Be not afraid nor dismayed by reason of this great multitude or this big army, for the battle is not yours but God's. So he's telling him the same thing that he told Joshua, and it's basically the same thing that he's telling us. Don't be sweating it. Get your eyes on me because the battle is not yours. He told David the same thing. The battle is not yours, little David, but mine, saith the Lord. And in other words, the old king said, well, we're facing an enemy that we don't know how to overcome. We don't know what to do, but... But our eyes are on the Lord. I'm telling you, when you don't know what to do, you can't see the end from the beginning. Get your eyes on the Lord. Uh, uh, The Lord answered him that day and told him he didn't even have to fight that battle. Uh, And the Lord said, the battle's not yours, it's mine. But here's the question. How did he make it the Lord's battle? He cast it on him. He said, I see all this going on around me, this great enemy, but my eyes are on you. Here it is, Lord. It's your problem now. He gave it to the Lord. And that's what casting is. You know, I got this bottle of water here. But if I want you to have it, I'm going to have to cast it to you. If I don't cast it to you, what's that mean? It means I still got it and you don't. And that's the same way it is with the Lord. We got to cast it to him. We got to give it over to him. And the devil will do his best to get us into fear, doubt, and unbelief. And people want to cast their cares like the word says, but they don't know how. And here's what Brother Hagen said to do. In Philippians 4, 6, and 7, he says, Be careful for nothing, but in other words, don't worry about anything, don't stress about anything, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Prayer and supplication." with thanksgiving and the peace of god which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through christ jesus so how do you cast your care you turn your care into a prayer Uh, and that's what brother hagen told you turn your cares into prayers and you know have you ever been praying and your mind wandered over to something else uh it does that with me A lot of times, a lot of times it'll wander over to the refrigerator or the cheesecake factory, but it will wander. And you got to grab your mind and bring it back and you control it. That's that's another thing about discipline. Your mind has to be disciplined as well. And and so uh, when it does that, you grab it, you bring it back. And the reason it wandered is because the devil knows that's the exact thing you need to be praying about. And he's trying to get your mind off of it. And that's when your worry list becomes your prayer list. And when you're worried or anxious about something, then it's time to turn your care into prayer. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because he's with me. His rod and his staff comforts me. God is with me. And when you feel fear coming on you, this is what you need to say. I don't care if it's a doctor's report. I don't care if it's a financial situation, your job, your in-laws. It doesn't make any difference what it is. Uh, Jesus said, take no thought for tomorrow. If God feeds the birds, if he clothes the fields, he's going to take care of you. And, you know, Pastor Ed and I, my wife and I, have a vision for this church to grow and, and to be financially sufficient enough to support missionaries uh, that are going all over the world more now than ever before that's our vision and we used to stress over it or have concerns over it until we realize that all we have to do is keep our eyes on the lord and we finally realize it's not our battle it's the lord's battle and uh you know we used to uh td jake said this he says be a dress bus driver he said just drive the bus pastor he said People are going to get off, and people are going to get on. You just keep driving the bus no matter what. Keep your eyes on the Lord and drive the bus. And and so we used to be concerned about that. You know, oh, so-and-so left the church. and. Uh, so-and-so said this and this and that and you know the ties are down this week i hope we can pay the bills and that And, and we haven't done that in years why because we finally learned to put our eyes on the lord it's not our battle it's his it's not our church it's his church if he can't afford it then he should just close the doors it's not my problem it's not my worry why because we've cast that care upon the lord that church is his responsibility, not mine. Those bills are his responsibility, not mine. And I can go to sleep every night and sleep like a baby because I don't worry about those things. Why? Because I know that I gave them over to the Lord. So keep your eyes on the Lord. Turn your cares into prayers. And, and remember, it's not your battle. It's the Lord's. So we learn a few things. I'm going to give you a quick review, and then I'm going to close in prayer and get out of your hair. Be strong and courageous. Be a doer of the word. Be a person of vision. Be a tither and a giver. Be an overcomer. Go to church. And we learned last week, believe, receive, and start expecting. It's more than just believing. It's more, you've got to receive it. But then it's more than receiving it. Once you've received it, you've got to start expecting it to be fulfilled, expecting it to come to pass. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for each and every one that's out there tonight, Lord. I pray your blessings upon them, God. I ask that you bless them. Bless them in health. Bless them in their finances, Lord. making them the head and not the tail. Uh, Set them above and not beneath. Bless them in the house and in the field. We thank you they're blessed in their bank accounts. They're blessed in their health account. You know, uh, you said that uh, you're our healer, and it's like a health savings account. I've got a health savings account with the Lord, and sometimes I have to draw on it, but I know that it's always in there. I know that there's something in my health savings account all the time. And so, Lord, I ask to draw on that tonight for my brothers and sisters in the Facebook audience. I ask that you, they draw on their health savings account that you have set up for them in heaven. And, God, that they draw some healing out of it tonight. Enough to get them well and make them whole and get them back on track again. We thank you and we praise you for your protection, Lord. We thank you no evil or Any plague is going to come nigh our dwelling. And we thank you, Lord, that you're with us. Even when we're walking through the valley of the shadow of death, you're with us. And we love you and appreciate you for it. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you. I appreciate each and every one of you for tuning in. If you enjoyed this uh, study for the last three weeks, hit your share button. Send it to somebody you think it would help. Uh, We appreciate that. And uh, we will see you this Sunday between 10... 45 and 11 o'clock on Facebook Live. God bless you. We love you. We'll see you then. This concludes this message. Thank you for listening. We pray that it's been a blessing to you. For more information about FFC or its ministries, please contact the church office. God bless you, and remember Jesus is Lord.